It's pretty awesome getting to learn and, and see some of our church officials and a little bit about their lives. You know, um, Allison grew up in this church like I did. You know, um, we've been here a long time. Uh, a couple housekeeping things. So speaking of a long time, we are getting ready to celebrate our 50th anniversary at Harmony. Fifth, actually, we're 52 years. It actually showed up during the COVID uh, and we couldn't get to it. So we are going to on September the 24th, I think that weekend is. Excuse me. 27th. The weekend that we're doing the Harvest Festival, we're actually going to connect with the school because the school is celebrating their 40th anniversary. So we are going to connect and together we are going to be inviting some people back from Harmony that haven't been here in a long, 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 long time. All right. And uh, last time they saw me, I was about this tall and had brown hair. Um, so we'll see how they are. But we're, we're going to be inviting them back. We're going to have some people back. We're going to have uh, some food. We're going to have a celebration. We're going to have uh, it's just a great time of, of getting together with some people who built this place and brought it to where it's at. Uh, secondly, I didn't know how many people were going to be here this morning because I am preaching on worry this morning and I've been worried all week about preaching on worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool. Um, as you notice, Pastor Dennis isn't here. Pastor Tim isn't here. They left the keys to the, to the castle in my hands and uh, here we are. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what God's got to say this morning in his word. We have been continuing with the, um, I say um a lot, I'm sorry, with the Sermon on the Mount. Now, a few weeks ago, we got a little bit turned around, a little upside down because we had to switch some dates preaching around. So we, I'm going backwards here, all right? So we're going back to Matthew 6, all right, this morning. And we're going to talk about, don't worry, be happy. Now, if you don't know what that thing is on a screen, you remember that thing, Billy Bass, that used to sing that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, and the fish would turn around? Right. Thank you, Ryan, for that. Okay, we appreciate it. Don't Worry, Be Happy, obviously we stole it from that little song. But, uh, Ryan, I want you to do me a favor. We had a Bible verse, I think it was just the first one that we read, the Isaiah um, 43 verse. This hit me this morning when we were singing up here. Talking about worry. And I'm going to talk about why we worry a little bit and what we worry about and how Jesus says we can fix worry. But this verse slapped me really hard in the face. And it's the second part of that right there. It says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Why do we worry about anything? He called us by name and we are his. Why are we worrying? That just hit me this morning and it was, you know, it's, that's probably one of my favorite verses uh, in scripture. Um, it was a verse that was, uh, that God revealed to Linda and myself um, the night before my surgery. So I just wanted to share that with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's already starting so we're going to continue with the Sermon on the Mount, like I said. Worry, why do we do it? What does it benefit us? This is what we're going to look at this morning. I, I found it interesting this week as I was doing a little research. The word worry, and I can't say this, but I'll spell it for you. It comes from the old English word. It's W-Y-R-G-A-N. 
I have no idea what that, how to say that, because I didn't know those letters actually went together in any word. <laughs> Which originally meant strangle. Think about that. What does worry do to us? It strangles us. It takes the breath and the life out of us. We come to church and we sing songs like It Is Well With My Soul. And we all know the story, what happened there. And we sing that song, It's Well With My Soul. Or the, the, the kids' song that we used to sing, Why worry when we can pray? Trust Jesus, he'll be your stay. Question is, is do we do that when we start worrying in our lives? We say those things, but instead of trusting Jesus, because he'll be our stay, instead of going to Jesus, because it's the first thing we should do, what do we do? We start to make our own plans on how we're going to fix this. Because it's how we are operating. It's how we're kind of wired. I got to fix this. I got something I need to worry about. So this morning, we're going to look at this verse. We're going to talk about it. And, and, you know, we're going to talk about why we kind of make our own plans and kind of do things. And, you know, I have to go, I have to tell you a couple stories because that's what I do. I, I kind of tell stories. And I remember, like, worry. And, and I told Linda that I was preaching on worry this week. And I, I, I don't know if I want to tell you the reaction I got. <laughs> she said, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> she goes, they're going to have you preach on worry. I said, who better? I'm an expert. <laughs> right or wrong? I worry about everything. I have worried about everything most of my adult life. Um, I've taken worry to an art form. I'm not kidding. And, and when I tell you a couple of these stories, you're going to wonder why Linda is still with me. I remember going on car trips when we were first married and everything. Now, when people go on car trips and vacation, it's supposed to be fun, correct? Supposed to have a good time or get ready. Not me. Not me, because I planned on breaking down. Not if I broke down, it's planned on when I broke down. So everything that I did was planned to break down. I turned every car trip into a nightmare because I was going to, we were going to, and it was always going to happen in the darkest, deepest place like Route 80 going out toward Ohio when there's not a house for 77 miles. That's when it was going to happen. So I planned for everything. I took all the joy out of car trips because of the way I worried about everything. Gas, if I got down to the quarter of the tank, we had to find gas. There was no, because we could get stuck in a traffic jam. We could get stuck here. We could, it, I had to get gas. It was basically the tank was empty, right? So that was me, okay? So I worried about everything. I'm the guy, and this is, maybe this should have been a close, sweetheart. I'm just saying. I went around and unplugged toasters and all the appliances in the house at night because I worried that they were going to catch fire. I checked the pilot light on a gas stove a half a dozen times before I can go to bed. I would go out and check it. I would go back to bed and I would go, did I check that? And I'd have to go out and check it again. That's worrying at an art form right there. This is, this is a little on the psychotic end of worry. Now, it gets worse. Let me tell you, it gets worse. We would go out for dinner and we'd pull up to the front of our house and I would tell Linda, you stay in the car. I need to go check the house. And I used to carry a gun all the time. And guess what I did? I went in and swept my house <laughs> before I'd let my wife walk in the front door. Shower curtains, closets, under the beds, the whole nine. Because I was worried somebody was going to be in my house. I told you she should have ran. 
and I took, I made worrying into an art form. But where's the joy in my life because of that stuff? There is no joy. It's constant control, and there's where we're going to get into this, all right? All right. All right. So I found some statistics about worry, and I'm going to throw them at you. I'm not sure how super accurate they are, but I thought they were pretty good. 40% of what we worry about never actually comes to pass. Think about that. 30% of what we worried about happened in the past, and you can't change it. 10% of what we worry about relates to health, and this is the funny part. Because at the same time, research has actually proven that worrying makes your health worse. I am living proof. 8% of what we worry about is actually legitimate. But even though we're worrying about it, it's not going to change it. It is what it is. It's not going to make the loan from the bank come through any faster. It's not going to change whether or not you're having a baby or not. It's not going to get rid of cancer or heart issues. It's not going to pay bills. Jesus tells us in this verse that we're going to read that worrying is useless. Let me say that again. Worrying is useless. It has no redeeming value or quality. So why do we continue to do this? We steal joy from our lives. We make ourselves not healthy. And ultimately, worrying shows a lack of faith in what God can do. And what he promises to do for us. All right, let me make this perfectly clear, okay? I'm talking today about people like me who worry. Now, I understand there are anxiety disorders that are honest to God, real issues that need to be dealt with. And I am not in any way diminishing those or making light of those. Just so we know. I'm talking about people who worry like me. Who just have to create something to worry about. So, our scripture this morning, continuing with the Sermon on the Mount series, we're going to go backwards, like I said, a little bit, is Matthew 6, 25 to 33. So if, if you don't have a Bible and you want to look up front, that's fine. If you do, that's fine. It says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food? And the body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky, that they don't sow, nor they reap, nor gather crops unto barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more important than they are? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single day to your lifespan? And why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor, nor do they spin, Thread for clothes. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow will be thrown into a furnace, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, ye of little faith, do not worry when saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we to drink? Or what are we to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek those things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus gives us the answer right there. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things provided. All right, I'm done. Thank you. Have a great day. Uh, Really? (laughs) Right, so we get the answer. We have it. Did I read 34? I'm going to read verse 34 because I like it too. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How many of us lose sleep over what's going to happen tomorrow? Man, yeah, Ryan, Ryan, thank you. Um, Did I sleep really well last night? Eh, Probably not. (laughs) But, you know, again, we do this, we do this to ourselves. So how many of us in here worry about our kids and our grandkids, our finances, our jobs, and all those things? None of this is healthy. None of this is how Jesus says to overcome worry. So, how do we fix this problem? You know, we have instructions in the Bible. You would think that we just follow and it's all perfect, right? All great. It's all going to go fine. Yeah, that's not how we're built. We have to kind of figure this out for our own self. Now, I'm going to tell you that uh, I have done really well lately with this. I am not an expert, and this is an everyday fight for a, a guy like me. An everyday struggle to, to learn to t- turn things over to God. I think the first thing we need to do is we need to get into the habit of prayer. Hey, and I said a habit of prayer. We, and I'll, I'll throw me, I'll just put me in here. I don't go to prayer the first time I have caught up with something that I struggle with or I'm having to worry about. It's not my first instinct. And I bet a lot of people in here can say the same thing. I bet it's not the first instinct. The first instinct for me, because I was a guy who had to control every situation I was in, who had to kind of place and plan and everything out. My first instinct was to set, all right, I got, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix this? Instead of going, okay, God, What's going on? Here's what's going on in my life. How, what are we going to do with this? Philippians 4, verse 6. Yeah, okay. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your request be, named, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Make your request be made known to God. We have access to the throne room of the Most High. How cool is that? Think about that for a second. The God who created you, the earth, the stars, all of it. I can take my petitions to him. Why don't we do this? Are you kidding me? I, I, I slap myself sometimes and go, wow, really? Wouldn't it be nice if it was just that easy, though? Shouldn't, again, like I said, shouldn't we be in the habit of praying and bringing these, these things before God? Um, hang on, I got to run over here. I got to get a book that I, I was doing a Bible study this week. I, I actually, Caitlin was with me this morning when I left for church this morning. Where'd it go? Caitlin, where'd it go? I did have it. I honest, I threw it in my briefcase. It's over here. Oh, I got it. 
ったな<笑> I was getting ready to send you home to get it, Caitlin. <laughs> I was doing Bible study this week. And、uh, this is a great little book, by the way, if you haven't got it. This is the Chosen series. If you guys have been watching that TV or the TV series of Chosen, these are the little devotional books that go with the season one, this season two. They're great little books, and they're just nice little、um, quick devotionals for the daytime. But I thought this one really kind of grabbed me. And I didn't think that this would actually click into this whole worry thing that we were talking about, but actually it does. I'm going to read to you here just real quick. I'm putting that up here. Da, da, da. All right. It says, What a strange question. Now, this is talking about Jesus at the well of Bethsaida, the pool of Bethsaida, where they were sick and they kept trying to get into the well or into the pool and that was going to heal. So Jesus asked the man at the, at, the, at the pool of Bethsaida, Do you want to be healed? What a strange question. Because, of course, the guy did. Every person with physical afflictions in that place wanted to be healed. It was why they were there. But no one seemed to take notice of the one who actually was able to heal them. Jesus walked among them, the sick and the diseased, the deaf, blind, and lame. While, he focused, while they focused their time and energy and hope on the water, which is what we do to some degree. We focus on our struggles and our solutions. We work out in our own heads while the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Healer is among us. Do you want to be healed? Think about that, man. That's pretty powerful. Our human tendency is to underestimate Jesus or not estimate Him at all. We get so stuck in our circumstances and how we see the world. We don't notice or comprehend what's being offered. That hit me like bricks when I read that. The answer to our worries is here all the time. It is us that doesn't go to Him with it. One of the reasons that we worry when things enter our life is because we try to deal with them ourselves. And I think the reason, and I hate to say this, but it's truth, especially true in my life, is it's a lack of faith. I just don't sometimes believe God can handle it better than I can. Think about that. And that's what you're saying, even if you're not intentionally saying, that's what you're saying when you do that. The root of all this comes back to this me thinking that I know more than God. Believe it or not, worrying is a me centered way of life. I don't think we do this on purpose. I think it's part of our makeup. I think it's part of what we learn from the time we're kids. We have to take care of stuff. We have to do things. We have to do this, all right? And I think it starts when we start getting things in our lives. I guess it's a good way to put it. When I was a teenager, I didn't have a whole lot of things to worry about because I didn't have a whole lot of things. <laughs> Pretty simple. I got nothing to worry about because I got nothing. I mean, and you guys know that when you're a teenager, you don't really worry about your health or whether or not you're going to get hurt when you're jumping off the bridge or rolling down a hill. It just, just doesn't matter to you. Now I worry about getting hurt when I get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> 
The staircase is a challenge every day. (laughs) But as we start getting things and accumulating, things start coming in. I got a job. Now I was worried about doing my job so I wouldn't lose my job. So now I had something I had to worry about. Then I got married. And now I got somebody I have to take care of. So I start worrying about her. And the house. And the cars and the kids and all these things that we accumulate. And all those things are things that I started worrying about. Here's the problem. I started worrying about things that I accumulated in my life. Now, there is nothing wrong with having things. Absolutely nothing. I love things. I do. I I like having things. But the things can't replace our focus on God. Even when Jesus asked the rich young ruler, and when he asked Jesus, what do I have to do to be saved? Jesus said, you have to sell all your stuff. It wasn't really that Jesus wanted him to sell all his stuff. He wanted to know that he would. And that the things that he had didn't override or take place of Christ in his life. That's kind of what happens when we get these things. We start worrying about things. All these things we have, worry comes from what? Fear of losing them. We sang a song this morning about fear. We're afraid of losing stuff. And more than more, and, and worry comes from the fear of losing things. And the more I'm filled with anxiety and worry about losing these things, the less I'm filled with God's spirit. And this is honestly a tool that's, that's used by the devil. He loves to get Christians in this point where we are just worried so much about losing things. Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. John 14, 27. Peace is what I leave you. It is not my own peace that I... It's not my own... Can I read, please? (laughs) Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. And 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. The bottom line with all these things that we have and that God allows us to have is they're not ours. They don't belong to us. So why am I afraid of losing them? If God gave them to me, can God not take them away? Is he still sovereign? Is he still good? Yeah. Yeah. I sat in a a church, if you want to call it, made out of banana leaves and corrugated tin in a place in Uganda, and you were there. And you were there. And what did those people who had nothing, they had zero in their lives, what did they sing? He gives and takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. And Ted, you know it because it's stuck with us for 10 years now. I couldn't believe I heard people with nothing singing. He gives and takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. What freedom there is in that. Yes, we are blessed with children and it's our job to watch them. But you know that God loves them even more than we do. And that's hard sometimes. You know, I... uh, People know for years that I've, I've hated snow. It's no, it's no secret. You want to know why the real reason I hated snow was? 
I used to ski. I used to love it. I was excited when we got big snowstorms because I'd pack the skis on the car and we would be gone. You know when I started hating snow? When my first child started driving. Because the second they left the house in it, I did nothing but worry and lose sleep every single night. Does God not love my children more than I do? Absolutely. Did my children get in accidents? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kate, where are you? No. (laughs) My children are still safe. They're still here, and God still loves them. So, we have to fix this. Somehow we have to get to this place where we can say, okay, God, it's yours. I trust you. I want to do this. And this is not a process that you do one time. This is a process that you have to do every day. So we learned already the first thing, okay? We have the first one already, is and that's prayer. Okay? We need to get into the habit of learning how to pray and learning to pray consistently. And any time when these things happen, the first thing we need to do is take it to prayer. Secondly, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His kingdom and his righteousness need to be first in our lives. This goes against everything our inner self tells us, everything the television tells us, everything we learn in movies. But we need to get in the habit of spending quality time in prayer and having a relationship with a loving father who cares and wants what's best for us. Colossians 3, 2. Set on your minds, set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things of this earth. Are you starting to get the picture The focus, we, I, need to refocus on what? The things of heaven, not of this earth. Worrying draws our focus off God and puts our focus on ourselves and the things that we are trying to hold on to. Matthew 6. Did I give you that one, Ryan? Yes. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and there are and thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Focus on things of of God. Jesus is not saying that we can't have things or buy things or possess things. The only thing he's telling us is those things cannot be the focus of our lives. He needs to be the focus of our lives. Because where your heart is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. All right. The next thing we need to do. All right. So we need to pray. We need to refocus. We need to recognize our great value to God. We worry about things in our lives. Again, we are God's apex creation. We are the image bearers of the most high God. He loves us. He has called us by name. He's chosen us. We are his. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. We are God's own possession. If we are God's own possession, don't you think he loves us? Don't you think he cares for us? 
John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. All right, I know that there's parents in this room. I know, because I'm one of them. How much do you love your kids? You would do anything for your kids to protect them, right? Why do you think it's any different for God? He loves us. We are his children. He wants to take care of us. And the hard one for this. This is this, this one kind of makes it difficult sometimes because it's the one where we have to humble ourselves and understand He is Lord of our life. We are not Lord of our life. We do not control the situations that are around us. We do not control the things that happen around us. He does. First Peter 5, 7, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time having cast all your anxiety on him. Because why? Say it out loud. What what was that? He cares for you. Cast all your anxiety and your worry on him because he cares for you. To humble ourselves means we have to surrender control of our life. I don't like that one. I don't like that one at all. And that's one of the reasons that I, things happened to me the way they did. And you know the story with the hospital. And I remember the moment that I surrendered. I wear it on my wrist. It's a reminder for me every single day. It says, my surrender. And it has a date. Does it mean that it's all over? That I'm good? Absolutely not. Surrendering is something I struggle with Constantly. Allowing God to be leader of my life and control my life is a struggle that I I, I still, to this day, will fight with. But let me tell you this. There is a freedom that finally comes when you do it. When you finally say, I am done worrying about all of this. I cannot do it anymore. I'm exhausted. And that's where I was. I was exhausted. I had exhausted everything that I could think of right down asking the surgeon who's going to cut my chest open, hey, what's the risk factor involved? Are you kidding me? The guy told me 20 minutes earlier that I should be dead. And now I'm asking him what the risk factor is because I am grabbing for control. And it's where we're at all the time. We have to stop. He is Lord of our life. We sing it here every single week. The fact of the matter is that sometimes he's Lord of part of our life or the part that I want him to control because I can take care of the rest of it. When we abandon ourselves to the will of God, there is no room for pride. He may require us to do some humbling things, but it will be for our betterment. We cooperate with him in the process by seeking unimportant jobs, working behind the scenes, helping when no one else does. These remind ourselves that our reward is in heaven. We are to submit to the will of God. That which pleases him and pursues truth and righteousness above all else in this pursuit, we may also cast our distress or our cares upon God as we trust in him in complete surrender. That's a hard thing to do. 
I, I'm, I'm good with the partial surrender. I do. I, I am. I'm, I'm really good at that part. Because there's some parts of my life that I am so ready to just let God take over. And he takes them. And he says, hey, Ben, what about this one here? And I go, yeah, no. no I got that one. I, I got this. And the worry starts. And the trying to keep things under my wings controlled. And every, I have to be an octopus to try to do this. And I can't. I can't. Surrender. And surrender sometimes seems like it's a bad word. You know, they, it's, it's kind of used in history as a, a weakness. You know, the, you know the, a loser. Surrender to God is a great thing. It's freedom from this worry. It's freedom from this constant, I have to control everything in my life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There is peace. There is comfort. There is joy found in this freedom. Jesus says that anxiety is worthless. It's useless. Worrying doesn't do anything, and you can't add a day to your life. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough stuff of its own to deal with. How about we just deal with today? What does James tell us? We don't even know if we have tomorrow. I don't even know if, you know, we don't know if we have tomorrow. Why am I worried about stuff to have tomorrow? I don't even know what's going to come. How about we deal with today? And how about we let God deal with today first? How about we bring those things that we worry about, those things that we are so twisted and, and we have ourselves sick over, how about we bring them to God and tell God, hey, you know what? I'm not strong enough to do this, but he is. Like I said, there's a freedom that comes from it. And like, I, you know, and I'm sorry that when I, I, I preach up here, I always somehow come back to my story. But I think that's a story that God has given me to use. And I think there's a lot of lessons in, in that story about learning about surrender and freedom. We give up our lives to Christ, and it's the greatest thing there is. There's such a freedom in it. And not having to keep all those things and being able to drop all those worries and all those things and finally just letting it go. Aren't you tired of worrying? Honestly, aren't you tired of losing sleep at night over worrying about things? I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. Jesus gives us simple answers. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry about tomorrow. What will happen? And it has enough worries of its own. When worries come, and they will, just because you're a, a, a child of Christ doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen in your life. Doesn't, thing, doesn't mean that you know, your, things aren't going to always go perfectly for you. No, it's just the opposite. Things will go bad. Things will go bad. But that's when we trust more. That's when we lean on Christ. So seek Him first. Let's understand how valuable we are to God. We're children of His. We are His. He's chosen us. Let's humble ourselves 
so that we are in a position to hear what God has to say for us, to us. And finally, let's surrender our lives and find this freedom in Him. And again, I love that verse. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Have the worship team come on back up real quick. I'm going to pray. Father God, we are grateful that you love us. We are grateful that you care for us. We are grateful that you want us to cast our burdens on you. Help us to live our lives in a way that we can, where we surrender, where we are humbled, where we have a habit of praying, where we're seeking you first and allow you to deal with those issues and problems in our lives. We don't want to have our joys stolen by the things that this world has to throw at us. Help us to find that peace that passes all understanding and find it in you. We thank you, God. We give you praise in your name.
unending love, amazing grace. Thank you for that. Thank you for that unending love that took you to the cross. To die for our sins. You didn't deserve it. You did nothing to deserve that. But you did. Thank you. We love you. We ask that, you, God, you would just watch us through this week. Teach us. Help us to cast our burdens and our cares on you. And to trust in the fact that you care for us. And that you love us. In Jesus' name.